Hey, Jonathan, are you? What kind of mic do you have? It seems like it's all scratching a little bit up against maybe something. Is that? Uh, that could be because I'm getting more animated as I talk. Sorry, <laughs> that, I'm using just the iPod uh, thing. <laughs> awesome. I'll try to stay still. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez. Joining me tonight is Rick Arroyo for our 10th podcast, our third of 2013. Uh, I'd like to welcome you, Rick. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. I'm really excited uh, for this podcast, and I'm excited to talk about some of uh, the things that were, that's coming up. Absolutely. We've got uh, Jonathan Cooper who'll be joining us tonight, animation director for a huge game, Assassin's Creed 3. All right, Rick, let's pull on Jonathan. Let's do it. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How you doing? Pretty good. It's a wee bit late, but I've got a nice cup of tea here, so hopefully that'll keep me going. <laughs> awesome. Hey, you know what? We say this every podcast, but this is not a cliche. We really do appreciate your time. Oh, um, we know that this is just something that you guys take out of your busy schedule, and so this is definitely something that we don't take for granted, and we definitely do appreciate you joining us tonight. So thank you very much. Thanks. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's pretty. It's quite an honor. Awesome. <laughs> Have you had a chance to catch any of your other podcasts? Uh, yes, I did listen to Daryl's one, actually. Okay. So it was pretty interesting. Got a bit of an idea of the kind of things you're going to be asking. Oh, well, there's two Daryl's. Okay, Daryl Party. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There was another one with my brother. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear that one. Maybe I'll find that one later on. Yeah. All right. And then joining us as well, or my, uh, I call my cohort in crime here, is Rich Arroyo. Richard, yeah, you used to work at Ubisoft, I hear. Yes, yes, that's right. I was there for uh, quite, a, quite a while. I worked on a lot of the, the Prince of Persia, the, um, cool. the Splinter Cell conviction. Uh, so, yeah, it was... Okay, the ones that make the money then. <laughs> it was great times at Ubisoft, so you you might be seeing me uh, in a few weeks. So, <laughs> oh yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun place to work. I'm finding I've been around. It's like my third job in Montreal already, but definitely where I'm going to stay. Let's hear up a little bit about your background. I'm always curious on how people kind of get into the industry. They're kind of their vein and how they moved into it and kind of what you're doing now. So if you don't mind kind of jumping in a little bit, how you got into animation and what you're doing now at over at Ubisoft. Sure. Um, I could give you the long version. Let's hear it. Um, Cause we got a bit of time, right? That's right. And I can always edit it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gets too big. So obviously I, I started uh, animating back in Scotland, uh, back w before it was kind of taught in universities, uh, just at home, you know, I had a computer and I was doing all that kind of stuff. I've always loved video games. And for me, like, I just found that I was just drawing on computers. And then uh, when I could start making a move, it was amazing. Like, it was just so much better. Like, I just thought, wow, that's much more impressive than spending a lot of time on one picture. You could do a bunch of pictures and, and run them after in a sequence, you know. And I was obviously, like, I was playing games. And around about that time, you started seeing a bit more of it in magazines that explain how things work. So I would try and recreate my favorite games. I liken it to, you know, people who might have, um, if you want to do fine art, you know, you, you, you'll you try and copy 
the great masters and mine so my equivalent was like street fighter 2 and stuff i was trying to draw all that and obviously my stuff sucked but it was just it was you know at least there was something to aim for and so this was still in high school and then i i'm just fortunate that my town in scotland is not a big town it's called dundee uh, but it did have a lot of game development and they they made the um the lemmings games there which is an old one but you probably heard of grand theft auto that was the the first big kind of world-class hit that came out of there and i'm talking about the original 2d ones so uh, we had game development kind of springing up there and i was able to go and visit the studios when i was in high school you know by giving in my demo discs and also again in university as well we got to go up as part of our class and i really i don't know i just that, that was about the time when the playstation came out and 3d was just becoming possible and and so so i was doing that in university and just landed a job at a local studio it was kind of it wasn't the biggest uh, one in town but uh, it was you know it was just a great place to start and i worked with a lot of people it was funny you know um i find that even nowadays finding people who have more than a decade's experience is quite rare uh, in video game animation or video games but i was fortunate to work with people that already had 15 years of experience when i started like 12 years ago so uh, not that they were all amazing but they were certainly experienced you know and they'd they, some of them had become bitter in their old age and stuff like that but uh, you know Something i, I, I kind of glean from yeah, yeah, you could you could kind of take the good bits and leave the bad. So I was fortunate to kind of work on a couple of crappy games, but uh, I, I was able to put enough together for a demo reel, and I shopped it around. Uh, well, before I went to Canada, I actually I went straight to the the kind of motherland, so to speak, and I actually went to Japan myself with my first demo reel and I knocked on the door of Nintendo and actually got in there nice. somehow wow. and handed over it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it but they did they didn't speak a word of English um and I just kind of nodded a lot and handed over a demo reel and kind of they never got back to me I mean I, I handed it off to a bunch of places but they were the ones that you really cared about there was, I think there was one company that were, they were just so surprised that, that I would even apply that they kind of sent me a very nice letter and saying that they liked my stuff but um, because I didn't speak Japanese I couldn't be employed so I, I had to find a place that was because I wanted to get out of Scotland you know um, but I had to find a place that spoke English so uh, I, I shopped around and uh, I, I, I really liked New York at the time. We visited there in um, university as part of our animation course, uh, but there wasn't much game development. And I don't know, I didn't know too much about the rest of the states. So I basically just applied across Canada um, and, and didn't really hear back from anywhere apart from a, a, a company that wasn't known very well at the time called Bioware, which had made... Um, I think they'd made a bunch of RPGs that I'd never heard of, uh, but they had made a Star Wars RPG, which uh, my friend sitting next to me back in Scotland really loved. So he told me all about it. And I was like, wow, these guys sound great. So I got out there for an interview and took the job. It was it was fantastic. And that, that's the place like I found a Bioware a couple of years there. I worked on 
finishing off a, a martial arts RPG called uh, Jade Empire and then went on to become the lead of animation on Mass Effect because they told me they were making this third person uh, you know a third person shooter sci-fi RPG and it sounded awesome it was going to be like Star Wars but their own Star Wars so that was pretty cool I was very fortunate to get that position and really it was the, at the start of the Xbox 360 so it was um we we didn't there were no real barriers you know so we just went nuts and <laughs> tried a whole bunch of stuff it was my first it real experience with motion capture and i really really took to it i really loved it you know i was quite the motion capture nazi on the game and i wanted <laughs> everyone to um ignore everything that they'd learned in animation so far about nice arcs and you know beautiful follow-through and just try and make everything look really realistic and that kind of worked in some degrees like with the conversations it keeps it realistic but it, you know it, it wasn't the best for maybe some of the gameplay stuff but it was a great experience so what are you currently doing right now over at ubisoft Currently, I'm working on a top secret new project uh, because we finished we finished AC3, Assassin's Creed 3, um, uh, quite a few months ago. You know, obviously, it always gets wrapped up before it gets on the shelf. So, uh, but I I can't say like obviously um, what I'm working on is something to do with animation. Like whatever we work on is going to have a lot of animation. In fact, there's only a handful of us on the team, and I'd say three of us are like very experienced in animation so we're quite fortunate it's going to be an animation heavy game and we're looking at some some new stuff i want to break some rules that we've established in video games on how we make video game animation so that's what i'm working on right now awesome i could say that sounds exciting that's that's one of the reasons what that I, I was really happy to uh to get you on board is uh, being uh, being fearless and, and a visionary uh for animation and for game development so i'm I can't wait. Cheers. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to sneak in <laughs> into that into the corner where you're where you're at uh, when I come to visit. So that would be fun. Let's talk a little bit about Assassin's Creed Three because that one's the one that's recently just released here that you mentioned that you had you had worked on there. What was your role in that game? So I was the animation director uh, throughout pretty much the whole the whole project. I came on initially after shipping Mass Effect 2 for Bioware um, as because we did cinematics for Mass 2. Um, and I came on initially to kind of just raise the quality of the cinematics. Uh, but, um, you know, there was a bit of a, I had a bit of a, a battlefield promotion where one of the, the previous director left and I kind of told them, look, basically I'm the only guy in this town apart from him that has made a really big game. So give me the job before you give it to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> Like, give them the hard sell. And, uh, yeah, thankfully, they put me on trial, of course. You know, you don't just get a job like that. Because that that's an important thing. Is it, Assassin's Creed is, like, it's got to be about five times as big as any of the Mass Effect games before. You know, we have so many teams across the, across the way. So that was basically what I was doing, overseeing all the in-game animation. I was doing cinematics as well at the start for the first year. and But I, I basically just worked on the technology of the cinematics. I didn't end up creating any for the game. Uh, that was done by my good friend Dave Wilkinson, who, who we worked together on Mass Effect 1 and 2 as well. And he was the animation director for Prince of Persia, the, the, the next-gen one. So he handled all that, and I just did all the in-game stuff, so all the assassins moves, all the... Um, uh, all the crowd life, all the animals, you know, just any anything, basically anything that moved in the game outside of a cinematic. I was just overseeing that kind of thing. 
I want I want to say something really quick, uh, Larry, about Jonathan's talent. And I haven't worked with Jonathan, but you know we work. You know we work in both uh, Ubisoft. We know a lot of people. Um, finding animators that really understand game development and gameplay, and and you know understanding the rules and and knowing where to bend or push the rules is is something hard to find. And and I can say from when Jonathan's name comes up that he does that extremely well. And and that's what I hear a lot about uh, yourself, Jonathan. Um, you, it's not just, you know, I think, yes, you made some great decisions in your career, but it's also that mindset and understanding game development and, and how to be a, a driver of, of the industry. So, Cheers. I mean, that's a... Uh... I, I always say that I'm a, a game developer first and an animator second. You know, I think <laughs> it's it's like obviously animation is the thing that I I do and I've chosen, but you know that was my way in. It's just games I love so much more, and that's why I've probably never really, never really been been that keen to try out film. Plus, I find it's it's definitely it's a different skill set. You know, I would probably be out of out of my element there, um, and and. I would also say that having worked in, like we're doing big games now, but obviously I didn't always do this. Uh, it was very small games, small teams of like 15 to 20 when I was back in Scotland. And back when, if you're doing that when you start, I find it gives you a really good grounding and, and it makes you more rounded as a game developer. As an animator, you get to do a little bit of modeling and a little bit of this and that and, you know, visual effects and stuff. And, and obviously, you can speak to everyone in the team in, in one room, which is gives you such a, a better understanding of all of game development. And then I'd imagine if your first job is to be on a 300-man team, you're pretty much given your tasks and that's it, you know. It's up to you then to get up and go and speak to people. It can still be done, but it's not as easy, you know. Yeah, it's kind of funny you mentioned that quote. I've talked with Rick enough here, and that's the very same quote he's mentioned before for himself, is that he considers himself a game developer first and an animator second. So that's too funny, and maybe that's why he was so excited to get you on here. <laughs> yeah, we've obviously secretly discussed this beforehand. <laughs> what is it that you enjoy so much about the game development process versus, say, animation? Well, um, like animation is... It's there are still frontiers to be broken and stuff, you know. It's it's not like we've seen everything we've seen. It's the same with film, you know. We always think we've seen everything, and then you get your mind blown. But I find that because video game development is in such as infant such an infancy that it's um you're always breaking new ground. Like whenever you start a new project, unless you're playing something totally safe or you're just doing a sequel where you're not pushing anything, you're always going to try and do something that simply hasn't been done before. Um, whether it be technology or artistic style or, you know, usually it's, it's it's a game design choice or something and we don't always succeed. But I find that that, that just get, keeps getting me to come back and get me excited like i said we just started something new and i'm so excited about what we're doing now because i feel like nobody else is doing this now obviously it's somebody's probably doing it somewhere that we don't know about but um i find game development you know it's all a lot about problem solving and you're just trying to solve stuff like sometimes it's you know scheduling how can we possibly do this crazy amount of stuff in this amount of time but sometimes it's like you know this stuff this this kind of animation this kind of character has never existed this level of fidelity at the scale you know on a game that's last 20 hours or something has never existed before how can we do that and how can we do it without just simply throwing a million people on the problem you know 
Like sometimes there's a danger of falling in love with the actual process, uh, trying to make the most beautiful behind the scenes process to get something that's kind of average uh, in the end. Uh, I think if you always have your eye on what it's going to look like, then, you know, you just change how you do it. You know, sometimes it might just require a lot of animations to be done. I mean, that's how Assassin's Creed has traditionally been done. There's, I was actually surprised when I got on um, because it has a, a, a high pedigree already, but there's not a lot. There was there wasn't a lot of crazy technology before. It was just like a lot of animations covering every eventuality, so transitions going everywhere, um, and that's just one solution. And that means, I mean, taking that example in particular, um, it, it meant that. Uh, there was a lot of creativity in the individual animations that were being done, but there were a lot of like just transitions that had to be done, and no animator really wants to do that. So, so one thing we we're always looking for is how can we get that same level of fidelity and take away all the 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 less interesting parts for animators. Because I, I, one thing I hear a lot, we heard it a lot with motion capture. Um, people have started to, to really buy into motion capture, even these diehard keyframe animators before. Um, when they find out that mocap is a great way of um, capturing a lot of the less interesting animations, like a weight shift, like somebody standing, like somebody taking one step um, forward or opening a door. Mocap's great for that. Um, for adding or inserting cam uh, characters onto one of your player characters, for example, you need animators for that. You don't you don't use mocap, or if you do, you have to change it so much that it becomes unrecognizable. So I think always having an idea on the, the big picture of really what what is it we're trying to achieve, what is it meant to look like in the end, and we usually start with a couple of examples, and that prevents you from just, like I said, falling in love with the technology or just like making it so technical that it's not fun for animators. Mm. Assassin's Creed, the setting of it in the American Revolution, it's never been done before. How did that kind of come about and what was your involvement with the animation for a setting like that? Okay, well, um, when, I, when I joined the project, I remember my interview, they told me the only thing, well, the only things that were locked down were that it was in the American Revolution and you could climb trees. And those were the only things that I, I knew about it. And I remember thinking, wow, the American Revolution just hasn't been done. Um, and before I even got on the project, I, I watched, you know, I, I didn't watch The Patriot because I'd seen that already. And we kind of knew that uh, this Mel Gibson's kind of, you know, I, everywhere I go, people always remind me of Braveheart. And I'm always reminding them that Braveheart is not very accurate. So <laughs> I, I, I watched... Um, uh, instead, I watched the great um, John Adams miniseries, and what was amazing about that is, and then what we found in the game is that um, a, a lot of this, the characters, for the first time in Assassin's Creed, really documented uh, their lives. So we had a lot of re uh, research, you know, that, that we can actually, you know, it's real reference that we could look at and stuff, you know. So. Uh, by the time I got on, you know, we had we, we knew which characters we kind of wanted to look at. Obviously, this Benjamin Franklin. Uh, we we had 
we had to find we had to work long and hard to find people that were actually killed because we we don't have anybody be assassinated that couldn't be explained uh, within reality and stuff. So we had to stick to reality to a degree. But from my perspective, from animation, uh, it was a bit of a blank slate. Um, we did decide after I got on. Um, we had many discussions, and I won't give any spoilers, especially if you haven't played it. But uh, there, there's more than one character that you play as uh, in the third game, and um, uh, that really the the story that we did with uh, with that uh, really defined the Connor as the main character. He was going to be half native and half half uh, European of of descent, you know. And that really informed all the animation. Like, that was the biggest thing. Uh, second biggest was the natural environment, you know, the tree climbing. The biggest challenge there was to just make it so he didn't look like Tarzan. And I think we, we did succeed in that. We didn't have him swinging through all the trees and stuff. We had him more running along branches. But the fact that he was native allowed us to, to really get him a bit more grounded in the world, a bit more earthy. Um, we had to do our research to make sure we didn't fall back on cliches. Uh, we did make some mistakes in the in the start uh, where we, you know, we, we started the, the game development process by making a seven minute video of what the game should look like. So that was about a three month project with myself, um, a small team of 30 people with said, say about seven of us were animators. And we made a seven minute video of how it would look. And we, we kind of, we, we put scalping in there, which we were later told by our native um people and by the uh, the voice actor for Connor that scalping was actually invented by the white man who um, he kind of used it as a way of kind of uh, just perverting the native tribes and getting them to do their bidding and stuff right uh. and they, they used that that wasn't really a native custom at all so we made some kind of missteps but we, we were told by um you know we were the new guys on the block handling the the assassin's creed franchise we were told that we could go quite violent so we did we did bring a lot of the brutality from that time because this is also the first assassin's creed that was set in a during a you know a major war and one that we documented we have documented and we knew that the you know, we've had a lot of fear, uh, especially from fans. They're like, they've got muskets, so they've got guns, they've got pistols. That's going to ruin the, the melee combat. But when when we looked into muskets, you know, it, it takes, a, a, like, the very best people could only reload their guns in 45 seconds, between 30 seconds and 45 seconds to reload your guns. So we, we were all about closing the distance between people fighting, and we were able to... We kept the tomahawk, obviously. We dropped the scalping, but the tomahawk became the iconic weapon. Typically, it was... Uh, previously, it was the hidden blade, but we worked with the tomahawk, and it just informed, like, the character. He was a lot more uh, closer to the ground. He was um, really feral in his movements and also very brutal. Uh, we, we tried to make it more brutal as well without just re uh, resorting to chopping limbs off and stuff and throwing blood, although there's a lot more blood in this game. We, we made it um, and just so there was a lot more violence and movement in the camera. Camera gets in closer as well. And uh, yeah, we did. I think we, we for this also, this is the first Assassin's Creed where the assassin can take a beating uh, as well because all, in all the previous games, you you were either blocking automatically or taking taking slight hits. Uh, whereas this time around, you know, there was a, there was it really felt like a, a war of attrition between you and groups of people. So that, that really affected it. And then 
like I said, the uh, the frontier affected the character as well. The frontier setting, we had to do a lot of technology just to get it to work on extreme slopes. And the tree running was a an ongoing thing. The rock climbing, uh, only like that that came together right in the last um, in the last few weeks of development. Actually, the rock climbing it was quite it was quite a uh, quite a risk throughout, but we, we really did try and replace as much of the animation as possible and really g- refresh it, you know? Wow, that sounds uh, pretty exciting. <laughs> a couple right. weeks before. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, it's the kind of excitement you don't want to have. <laughs> yeah. thankfully, thankfully, we pulled it off. I mean, it is a, it is, we, we, in retrospect, we could have not changed the climb at all and just changed the animations, but we ended up gutting it and changing the animations and the technology behind it. Um, and that was all with the aim of um, trying to not... We, we didn't want to change things if it didn't have to be changed. You know? and it was very impressive before, but I wanted to really make it faster as well, make it feel more, not just more fluid for, for like cool visuals, but... I think Assassin's Creed has always walked a fine line between being, um, it's very fluid, but it also verges on being a little bit too slow sometimes and wanted to kind of bring back that kind of speed and reactions uh, that that you see in other games, you know. Hmm. What were some of the kind of references that you used for the tree climbing? Since you said you weren't wanting to go that Tarzan, you know, were you using something like parkour or just in-house ideas that you were tossing around with the mocap or what? Well, we broke it into uh, four or five different new moves that we figured, okay, if we add a bunch of new moves, that should give us a good feel. I mean, even from the start, we, without changing any technology, any animations, we stuck a bunch of branches, like small branches sticking out trees, and you were able to climb up the tree. So that was awesome, you know. But then we, we tried, like, different things. How would you actually move through the trees? And uh, we, had, we replaced... Um, the jump system so we really thought that jumping from branch to branch but making it seem like um there was a lot more energy in the jumps and stuff he was connor because he was all balancing on on branches most of the time now we had a lot of arm movement so he had to really balance himself and that like we kept adding things and it still wasn't enough um i (laughs) i haven't uh, said this publicly but i think the best analogy for connor running through through the trees he's actually he's not so much like tarzan and a monkey he's actually much more like a squirrel <laughs> so okay <laughs> he's, like he's a squirrel he runs along the branches but he's a squirrel that can kill you so he's he's a bit more aggressive just imagine that but yeah that's probably not the best analogy i never actually told anybody on the team that either but that was kind of what we ended up doing he's more he's more running along branches and and rather than swinging i mean we made certain rules we did add monkey swing monkey bar swinging but we made sure that you never swing for more than two or three branches at a time otherwise it would feel really like tarzan so um the reference wise is tough we didn't really have (laughs) we didn't really have references other than i know for the you know because the climb system is still part of the tree system which is still part of the jump system we did have real parkour stuntmen this time for the first for the first time in assassin's creed we actually uh, traditionally, they, they were always using um, the actual animators were getting in the suits, which is um, it's, it's 
pretty impressive considering it looked so good, you know, but I have a rule. I never get in the suit. I don't, I don't think I'm good enough. I'd rather like we paid people who've been doing it all their lives and they were, they were great. You know, we, we made great relationships with uh, some stuntmen in, in, in Montreal and in uh, Ontario because we did a couple of shoots in Toronto as well where um, we'd got parkour guys who are also martial artists, but importantly, the assassin can't seem too martial arty. So um, we had to kind of get them to come with ideas but then we take out some of the kung fu um but we had a lot of parkour we did get real parkour uh, practitioners mocapped them and then modified a lot of the the work um to get them to jump correctly and stuff i mean one one of the best things i think we did was uh we we got in this um this kind of thing called an air ramp which is essentially it's a hydraulic explosion on the ground where the stuntman will run and then a second stuntman hits a switch and it just sends them flying in the air so that was fantastic because it gave us so much more air time than, than you could actually get from a real jump because um although although you know you get the impression that it's incredibly realistic the assassin can jump for five meters so we had to kind of get something that would give them enough air time and of course then the animators take that back and they add in the anticipation before the jump and the landing because we all have them land on mats but we'll, we'll make sure the landing is correct and stuff and i think we that was one of the things that we, we had to work on a lot because although we wanted this new style for jumping our keyframe attempts just didn't have the correct weight so we did fall back on mocha up and then heavily keyframed on top of it and modify them and we had to tweak them like like i said three or four revisions just to get that level of consistency because we have i'd say about say 16 different jump lengths that all kind of play and they all blend with each other and stuff so you had loads of different animations that would all play depending on the distance between the branches or you know the, the distance between buildings when he's jumping as well so mm. you know there's a lot of that there's reference from the real life but there's a lot of um, imagination brought by the animators that's good what were some of your biggest challenges on uh, assassin's creed 3 i'd say well right from the get-go the the, the biggest challenge was was given to us it was like just you have to change everything but don't change anything that was that was the, the kind of real from from the the executives from the guys in france who uh, the hq of ubisoft they they didn't want you to change anything because then it wouldn't be assassin's creed but they wanted it to feel really fresh and everything so um that one of the biggest challenges was finding out how far to push uh things that were um stylistically just completely off off the mark like uh, i found out pretty quickly anytime you make the assassin do a somersault uh you're just you, it's just cancelled you can't do that uh, it's just a rule the assassin doesn't flourish he's very efficient in the way that he gets from a to b which is a that's very it's a very parkour um, um mentality and Whereas free running is, although, you know, even people on the team get them confused, free running is all about uh, expression. And that's about, you know, creativity when you're jumping and, and all the, about the flips and, you know, wall runs into, you know, kicking off and, and doing a backflip and stuff. The assassin would never do that because it's very important to not become the Prince of Persia. Okay. Uh, which that's is, you know, yeah. yeah, it's like when you think of backflips, that's Prince of Persia. When you think of doing things that are 
amazing that a human could never do. That's that's him, and that has to be separate from the assassin. The assassin's, like I said, although he can jump five meters, he doesn't feel like he's flying through the air. He he does things that you you believe a real human can do. I mean, even though he can jump off a building, you know, and dive off a <laughs> dive off a twenty-story kind of building into a haystack. Apart from that. Uh, everything else is is fairly realistic. We have to keep it fairly realistic. So I'd say that the challenge was, you know, knowing where to push. And, and I was fortunate that, you know, I was the new director, but we still had uh, a lot of the team that worked on the previous game. So they, they could keep me straight as well. And, uh, um, you know, we, we, we pushed on each other. Like sometimes people wanted to do what they'd always done before. And we'd we'd push them to try new things, try new technology and stuff. And they'd also kind of push me to kind of use new. Like I'd never done a game that um, required like sixty animations per move. You know, it's ridiculous the amount of uh, different transitions for every kind of potentiality that might come out come out of just. I, I think even just throwing a throwing a knife requires like 15 different transitions out because you can start walking in the middle of throwing it or you can stop running into throwing a knife so um there were things like that i'd also say the other challenge for us um was the uh, was the cinematic side uh, that, this was something we were we were certain on from the start we wanted to raise the quality of cinematics like i said that was my first charge was to just do the cinematics i ended up doing uh, the game as well but um and we we wanted to do something that would push the technology. It's an open world game, so it's never going to have the characters that look as good as a you know a small linear game or a, you know a, a game that's dedicated like Heavy Rain or something. You know, um, we, but we 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 knew we wanted to have to to raise the quality of Assassin's Creed stuff, and we we wanted to record uh, the voice, the face the body, the fingers, all at once. That, that, that we believed, um, was something that hadn't really been done in Ubisoft, hadn't been done at the time. Um, Far Cry 3 was working on a similar technology as well. And that, I think, um, it's, it's logistically different, difficult for one, because instead of the old methods, we used to just grab the body, certainly on, on Mass Effect, we'd grab the body, uh, and then we'd throw in like some some keyframe. We'd throw in some mocap from some other stuff we'd captured previously. We we grabbed the face from somewhere else, or we keyframe the face. I think the lip sync was done automatically. But now we had to be really strict and make sure that you know your script is locked, and then you go to shoot. But also you had to get the all the actors in because our actors are from around the world. You know from the UK from from around Canada from the US you had to make sure they were all there on the, on the day to make sure that everything worked and although we didn't use that for every cinematic and you can kind of tell when you look at them which ones did and which ones didn't um the ones that did uh, I think really paid off not because not because the animators had nothing to do uh, it was because uh, we were able to give them the very best data. Everything was kind of time stamped, so it was all uh, it was all in sync. And then from there, they had they had movement on the face, and they could uh, apply the same techniques as we do when we work with mocap to the face as well. You know, like exaggerating poses and stuff like that. But it really allowed us to get like a lot of content in there, and you you can really see 
little subtle movements when you see like a facial expression that ties in with an you know an eye look that ties in with a head movement that ties in with a finger point you know when it all happens at exactly the same time i think that's the kind of that's where the magic is and and it's something that i'd definitely be doing in the future projects as well Okay, so that was your biggest challenges on there. What were some of your biggest achievements on Assassin's Creed that you felt like when you walked away from this game, it shipped? You were feeling like, man, I'm so happy we pulled that off. <laughs> well, yeah, I just kind of feel that about the, the whole game. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well the, the claim was, you know, like I said, a, a, a real worry until the end. But I think the, the biggest achievement was I feel it, it still feels like an Assassin's Creed game. Uh, but I think it feels fresh. And, and this is the important thing that I don't think people appreciate it until if you play Assassin's Creed 3, then you go back to the older ones. Then you'll really notice what what we did add, you know. But uh, it's like anything in, you know, in visual effects or that. The best, the best things you do should go unnoticed, you know. It shouldn't, people shouldn't really notice that. Look at this crazy IK technology. They should just feel wow, the, the assassin feels like he's in the world, you know? Um, that, like, so that I do find was, that was the, the big thing that I think we've brought to to this game that um, I haven't seen in other games, so I'm really proud of it, is um, we do have IK on all the time on the assassin. Like, he only used to have it when he stood still, and that's what we typically do in games. We, we turn it off, and then when you stop running, uh, we turn on IK to get the feet going, but it's on all the time. It's on all the time whenever you fight with people. We can't have it on everyone, but we 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 did a lot of stuff, you know, like IK on the feet to cater for fights in slopes. So you can be fighting on a 45-degree slope, and you can still, you know, the characters connect, they, they angle their upper bodies to, to aim at each other. And we do do little techniques like... Um, we have we do have moves where you know they will grab each other and we we never match them perfectly but we'll we'll just make sure that you know we turn off some of the moves that don't look so good like we find if 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 uh, there's a stab in the head and on flat ground that doesn't work on a slope um, but a slash does you know if you slash across the body with a sword that still works at different angles and stuff so getting getting all that to work in an organic environment because you don't like it's an open world, so you really can't um, you can't predict where things are going to happen. And although it wasn't perfect, I still I play the game and I still see some crazy craziness. Um, it's not quite as often as I feared it would be, you know. So I, I find like having having the character feel like he's he's not floating through a world. He's actually in the world. He's connected. Um, he's often like shifting his balance and stuff and his feet aren't sliding all over the ground when he runs upstairs he's touching the stairs you know he's he's really putting more effort into running up a slope than he is down that that's i think the the thing that again non-animators probably won't notice it <laughs> they'll just think that he's you know, uh, looks nice again, like all Assassin's Creed, but I'd hope other animators would appreciate that kind of thing. But you know the player would notice it if that wasn't working right. We watch people. We know when something should look like it's supposed to. So when a, a player's playing a game and you see this slippage, they're going to notice that because they know what it should look like. So I think to be able to pull that off, and it goes back to like what you're saying there, your goal then is to have them not be able to notice it and still be able to just stay into the game there. 
I think I remember Splinter Cell. Um, so Richard's game was one of the first ones watch, I ever saw. I'm watching yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but saying that was that was one yeah, of the yeah. first ones I ever saw that actually had feet connected to the ground using IK. When Sam Fisher would change direction, his feet wouldn't slide around underneath him. They'd stay planted and pivot around the ball of the feet. And, you know, I, I think we, we've kind of done that. So I... I think now, if you play Assassin's Creed, like I said, and then go back to the previous ones, then you'd really notice sliding everywhere. But I don't think you'd notice it if we hadn't solved this. So I think we've just made it difficult for everyone else, unfortunately. Rick said that you're going to be presenting at the GDC. Yep. Can you tell us anything about that? I know Rick was crazy excited about that. You going to go? Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. That's cool. Uh, Yeah, I'll be talking basically about what we've just been talking about, um, uh, about the development of Assassin's Creed 3 animation-wise. I gave this presentation to all the other teams at Ubisoft uh, last December, and just December there, and I'll I'll be mixing it up a little bit. Uh, I I talked earlier about, uh, well, within Ubisoft, about uh, the chronological, more like the adventure of creating Assassin's Creed 3, but this, this one will be specifically about, I'll be taking tree running, and breaking it down and explaining how we did it, showing plenty of videos, showing like diagrams of how the you know the the game used to work and how we changed it. And I want to bring actual 3D files and talk people through like some of the process of here's a mocap file before it's touched, here it is at the end, here are some of the things that we've done in between. You show some of the videos of the actual mocap shoot how we, because we don't actually mock up people like stabbing each other, we'll, we'll use a variety of techniques, um, but to still still try and preserve as much of the impact as possible. So I'll be going through that and, you know, like I said, going through the, the, the tree running, the climb, the fight, um, and the, the running and the IK, uh, and yeah, it'll just be full of lots of visual stuff. So. Hopefully, hopefully it will be interesting to any animators that will attend because if, if they're anything like me, I hate going and looking at a PowerPoint for an hour. <laughs> I, want to, I want to see videos. You know, I want to see things. I want to see behind the scenes and stuff like that. So that's what I'm going to be talking about there. Very cool. Now, Rick mentioned that this was something new for GDC, right? The, the animation portion of it? Yeah, well, the animation bootcamp has been set up by uh, some of the guys that do the it's the Reanimators podcast and some other game game animators who've worked on some big profile games as well. They they were contacted me and, and it was just awesome. I, like so, we've been talking ever since. It's been great. So there's a bunch of us going. That I know there's there's also Simon Unger who's who's the animation director on Hitman, is going to be giving a presentation as well. So I think it should be a real kind of gathering of animators and hopefully animation programmers as well, because we love them too. And just kind of getting us all in a room for a day and having multiple presentations, uh, also from people outside of games as well, but all with an animation focus. So I'm really looking forward to that. That sounds great. I got a few questions. Hit it. Uh, (laughs) All right. (laughs) This is my favorite part, squeezing a few things really quick. Something I think is really interesting, and I don't know if it's still like this, and you can let me know, Jonathan. When I was at Ubisoft, it was it was an animator, artistic-driven. Is that still the case, and do you think it helped make better games? Uh, do you mean Ubisoft, like the, the, the whole studio? Ubisoft, like, for example, Montreal. I mean, that's yeah. where I was. 
I I would totally agree with that hundred percent. Um, this is the first game studio that I've worked on that feels like an art house. It's really, it's it's really art driven. Um, sometimes to the detriment of design. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like we, I'm constantly working with uh, some 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 of the best art directors, uh, animation directors in the world. We're, the biggest difference I find is that. Um, it's it's really taken seriously. Like we get out so much support. I mean, to give you an example, my my previous games that I worked on, uh, uh, like Mass Effect One, we had one animation programmer, one AI programmer. Now it's it's pretty much a one to one. On certainly on Assassin's Creed, we have we have like a, I think we had around um, say twenty animators and the same anim- number of animation programmers for Assassin's Creed 3. Um, it's really, like, they really put a big effort on the art side of it. Um, I, I said to the detriment of design, I think it's only be- because sometimes it can overrule, you know, if, the, if there's a strong personality. Like I said, I don't like to be like that. I like to really I consider myself the game developer first, so the game is king, you know. Um, but really, it's it is an art house. Uh, even even the, the concept art and stuff. The, the teams are just bigger than I've ever had before, and the amount of support, the amount of like tool support to, to make your art, the amount of um, cutting edge uh, technology that's being developed purely to help animation is pretty mind blowing. So that, that's that's what I find. I totally agree that it's it's very much an art driven studio. Whereas you'll get suddenly Bioware is a is a design-driven studio. It's a writing-design-driven studio. Um, you you get other developers that are more about like Crytek. I find is a very technology-oriented studio where they make like amazing, mind-blowing rendering technology and stuff like that. So, yeah, we're we're mostly artists. I just also wanted to add that uh, for all the programs that I worked out there, uh, Ubisoft had some, uh, I mean, I work with great programmers in different studios, but I have to say Ubisoft had a large amount of amazing programmers that that were artistically sensitive and comprehensive and extremely supportive. So I just wanted to, you know, compliment yeah. those programmers. And I think that's what helps Ubisoft um, be, be so successful as much as, you know, having great artists. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say that, like Richard Dumas, who has been the uh, he's been the lead animation programmer uh, for all the Assassins, well, the major Assassins Creed one, two, and three games, and he's the most animated programmer I've ever met, and he's also a game designer. He's one of the best game designers I've ever met as well. And uh, you're expected to be more than just you know, a programmer. Like, not everyone needs to be, but it's only, it's recognized if, if you can do, if you can wear many hats and stuff. And I find that uh, all the animation programmers really care about the end of result. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've certainly experienced in the past where you get, um, like, programmers they, they sometimes will just care if their code looks good, whereas I find here they, they don't care how clean their code is. Uh, it's all about like does does the character move how we 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 want him to move, you know. And and something I think we talk often at iAnimate is especially for our uh, game students that 
we tell them they're more just an animator. They go through the game program and they're learning about games and how to create animation with great weight and, and making yeah. sure it works. But they're more than just an animator when they go through the game program. So I think this is fantastic how we talk about programmers are very comprehensive and, and very artistically driven. And yourself, you don't think yourself just as an animator, but also as a yeah. game developer. So I think that was a, a great point to, to touch on. Yeah, I got to say as well, I looked at the latest... Uh, game animation real on your site and it looks very impressive you, you guys are doing something right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we work really hard for the students so it's, cool. it's awesome to know that uh, you guys in the industry are noticing uh, our program and, and our students uh, hard work so yeah that definitely means a lot coming from you Jonathan so thank you very much so let me ask you this also do you find that your animators are doing as much as the designing as as the designer itself for the you know the animation systems like you know the jump system oh yeah i mean uh to be honest we, we occasionally will consult a designer uh to make them feel good so they feel involved in the stuff but um like like the 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 assassin's movement is i'd say 99.9 percent .9 done by animators and programmers um, we, we need to consult with design to make sure that it's not completely, you know, you can't find exploits. We, we need to consider them. I mean, I remember, for example, I, I did change the sprint speed of Connor uh, compared to the previous assassins, and that just ruined all the chase sequences. So, of course, <laughs> you know, because you could always get away. <laughs> you could never be caught by anybody. Uh, so, so I changed that back, you know, uh, you need to do stuff like that, but yeah. Um, and I, to be honest, I've never worked on a game where I met a designer that knew as much about a character control with the joy pad and the, you know, the feel of the character as much as an animator does. Um, so yeah, you'll get designers who are, who are there you, and the programmers are there, but you know, usually it's an animator that will, will push and, you know, make the stuff. And then it can be modified and tweaked ever so slightly by a designer. Or, you know, if, if we're way off the mark, of course, we have to change things, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's mostly done by animation. And I think that everything you're explaining, like, I think it's great because a lot of, a lot of animators that have been doing it for a long time, you know, regardless if it's film or VFX or game, they don't often see the difference between, you know, uh, game animation, VFX animation, and film animation. And, you know, all this stuff that we're talking today is, is just awesome. And and if anyone, you know, who's listening to this, you know, if they get a chance to go to GDC, to the animation boot camp, um, I, I more than highly recommend that you go. I, I suggest that you take the, the full full day off and, and you make the time to go see these, uh, you know, these great lectures. And also, um, you know, we forgot to mention that uh, Jonathan has this amazing blog, uh, GameAnimation.com. Uh, is that correct, Jonathan? Uh, GameAnim.com, oh, yeah. GameAnim, yes. GameAnim, yeah. pardon me. And uh, even myself, I like to tell everyone, this is, I like going to, to, to the blog and, and, you know, there's some great stuff there. So, uh, you know, everyone who's listening also check out his blog. Great stuff. It's just Cheers. awesome. Well, Jonathan, we really do, again, appreciate your time. I know it's late there for you, and this has been very, very amazing. So, yeah, we do appreciate your time. That's cool. Thanks. It was great. It's just great to, to talk about stuff, you know, and thanks for the plug for GDC as well. It's going to be great to show all that. But, yeah, I just, like, I love talking about stuff. We talk about it all the time during the day, but it's always, you know, the people we work with all the time. So it's great to, <laughs> to, to share with other game developers and animators like yourself. 
Well, thanks again, Jonathan. You have a good night, and we'll have to definitely get you on here again sometime. Cheers. Okay, thank you very much. It was great fun. See you soon, Jonathan. Bye.